I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 194. First Sinister Sightings of the New Year. Oh, we were going really high. I, <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, jumping right in. The first one, Wisconsin Werewolf. Hello, friends. I was daydreaming and thought about this story that my mom told me when I was younger. So here we go. Picture it. It tickles me to say that. This was in the early 60s, and my mom was about 10 years old. She spent her summer at her uncle's farm in northern Wisconsin. She really looks at this time as a very happy part of her life. This was the farm her mother was born and raised on, and we're all very affectionate about the place. As a child, tangent time, I remember running through the trails of wildflowers behind the house, playing on the tree swing, and making all the barn cats love me back. Anywho, my mom likes to read, and especially in bed at night. Now, she should have been asleep, so a flashlight was being used so she could quickly turn it off and pretend to be asleep if she was about to be caught. This particular night or morning, depending on your view, it was around midnight, she said she was laying in bed reading her Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew books and heard something at the open window. Now, this is the 60s, and it's not uncommon even today to have houses without AC. It's cold here, and in the summer, if it's hot, we just bunk it in the basement. We normally just keep our windows open and a stick fan on. Is a stick fan like a ceiling fan? What the fuck is a stick fan? I have no idea. So she hears a noise at the window and turns off the flashlight, thinking she was about to get caught. Her eyes adjust to the dark and she looks at the window. She realizes a large hairy arm is at the window. Continuing to watch, its hand opens and the claws grasp into the screen. Well, she threw her blanket over her head and didn't look at anything until morning. In the morning, she looks at the screen and realizes where the claws were had been stretched, so now the screen has four holes in it. This window was on the first level, but the house is elevated because of the basement, which is a dirt floor cellar, was only dug half as deep as normal due to the granite deposits. This window is 10 feet from the ground. Whatever this was had to be tall. As she said, it was like it had its elbow bent as it was leaning in. At breakfast, she told her family and no one believed her. But those holes were in the screen and she swears as an adult it happened. When I was thinking about this, I also remembered an episode of Terror in the Woods on the Travel Channel Season 2, Episode 3, which I believe was werewolf related. Also, the legend of the werewolf on Bray Road, Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Just in case you need a good werewolf lead for a future episode. I sent in the military-based ghost named Henry in 821 and our current house ghost Al 421. I'll send in more as I think about them, Kara. Okay, what's funny is I covered terror in the woods. Yeah, I don't remember. I, girl, <laughs> I gave her side eye like, you don't know. <laughs> Could it have been a barn cat? Well, it wouldn't have had a big arm. Well, she was little. Well, there's a difference. She swears of it as an adult, though. I believe that kind of stuff. I mean, if you watch Terror in the Woods or you listen to that story, I mean, what you think? I mean, I listened to the story because you told it, but I don't remember. <laughs> what is that? You you hear me, but you don't listen. No, I listen. I just don't remember. <laughs> There's a difference. Though Colby said, Carrie has the best memory. On one thing I remembered, and he said that, and I was like, are you sure? And he's like... <laughs> No, you don't. <laughs> okay, the next one. Hi, my name is Cara W. from Asheville, North Carolina, and I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of days now, and I'm obsessed. I actually have a couple of stories for y'all that I would love to share. She from North Carolina. It might be Kara. Oh, sorry. I'm just going off of the last girl's email. Because <laughs> it's spelled the same. Yeah, Cara put like an actual car uh, to tell yeah. me how to say it. <laughs> First, I should give you a little background about myself. We rarely talk about it, but a lot of the women on my dad's side have known to be a little clairvoyant. I remember my grandma, great-grandmother, and one of my aunts talking about the different spiritual encounters, which kind of cemented for me that we all share a gift or a curse. I never shared with them any of my experiences, but I was floored during their conversation because I always believed it was me just being imaginative. My whole life, I've always seen flashes of things out of the corner of my eyes, and just like I previously said, I believed I was making things up. I also always had the uncanny ability to leave places just before shit went down. 
I can't explain it. Some of them would just tell me to go, and I did. It became a running joke with my high school friends that if they saw me just randomly get up and leave, that they needed to follow if they wanted to avoid trouble. Before I went to college, I was very much into going to church. I went every day I could, and I believed in a higher power. I still do in a way, but I don't dedicate myself to one religion and just try to keep to myself. I'll explain why later. The college I went to was Lee's McRae College in Banner Elk, North Carolina. Right across from the campus property was an abandoned hospital. I believe it's called Cannon Memorial. The big thing in a small town with nothing much to do was to go to all of the abandoned buildings because we heard they were haunted. One night, a couple of my friends and I decided to go to the hospital to see what all of the fuss was about. I got as far as the basement slash morgue and I immediately felt off and something told me to stay my happy ass outside. So I did. While I waited outside with my friends, I had a sinking feeling that we needed to leave, but I didn't want to be the chicken who left their friends and went back to campus. Eventually, all of my friends came back out of the hospital and we went back to campus to be the little shits we were, and my bad feeling went away as soon as we left the hospital grounds. A couple of nights afterwards, I randomly woke up in the middle of the night. It took my eyes a couple of seconds to adjust, but when they did, I looked at my closet and saw a tall black figure standing in front of my closet. I looked across the room to see if it was my roommate coming in for the night, but quickly realized she was asleep in her bed. Before I had the chance to freak the fuck out, as one should do when they see some rando in their room, I had the feeling that I needed to just turn over in my bed and go back to sleep. A week later, I was telling a girl from high school who happened to live across the hallway about what happened and she in return told me about how a week before how she had went to bed and made sure she locked her door before she did with her door closed and woke up to her door standing wide open the next morning. I realized the more that I practiced a religion, the more sensitive I became to entities and I haven't practiced since. My brother passed away a few years ago, and I would see flashes of him all over my house for a month or so. I was in the deepest depression I've ever been during this time. I just wanted to give up on life. One day, I got up, and I decided I was going to live, and I haven't seen him since. Well, I love Asheville. I always talk about how beautiful it was when we went, like, 12 years ago. 18 years ago. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good try. Well, you know, math isn't my strong suit. So 18 (laughs) years ago, (laughs) we went there and it was beautiful. Also, if I saw you randomly leave, I would have been on your ass so fast. Been like, you ain't leaving without me. Uh, If you having a feeling, me too. Also, your brother looking out for you. Yeah. He just had to make sure you were okay before he left. Right. Okay, the next one is a sign from my dad. Hey, booze. I don't want to sound cliche and start this out with saying how wonderful you two are and how much I enjoy the podcast, but there's no way I can't tell you how incredible you are. Your podcast has helped me so much since I came across it a few months ago. I could be bawling my eyes out and just start listening because I knew you would make me laugh and feel better. I'm lucky I haven't had anything sinister happen to me, but I wanted to share something about my dad. First, I just wanted to say that he was the most wonderful man and father. It was always just me and him. We were each other's worlds. Sadly, I lost him on February 17th, 2022. Life has not been easy since losing him. So I had a picture of me and him on my desk. This has been there. And when he passed, I added another picture of me and him that I found from when I was a baby. One night I was driving and just broke down and lost it. I couldn't stop crying and it seemed like every time I looked and saw those pictures, I would cry harder. So I turned them around for the time being so I could try to calm myself down. I went and got food with my boyfriend, and we pulled up to his house, and they were facing me again. Okay, well, let me just back up. Um, She said on the dash, not on the desk, so um, this makes way more sense. I drove, so it wasn't possible for him to turn them around. We went through a drive-thru, so there's no way it was one of us. The next morning, I get back in my car, and they were turned around again to where I only saw the back of the picture. I just know it was him letting me know he was okay. I miss him so much. Thanks for bringing me so much joy. Feel free to use my name. Love y'all, Cassie. And then in parentheses, they put that they're from IN at Carrie. That's Indiana. (laughs) You know what? They know numbers, not me. You, not states and abbreviations. Oh my God, that's so funny. Because I definitely would be like, is that Indiana or Idaho? (laughs) 
I was like that with um, my dad's picture because my mom printed out this picture from of like a professional picture of just my dad that was done in the 90s. And my mom had, or whomever, had given us all copies of it. And Colby framed it and put it on our entertainment center. And I was like, I got to get this off the entertainment center. Like, I can't, I can't keep looking at it. I really appreciate him framing it. Like, it meant a lot to me, but I was right. like, I can't keep looking at it. Sorry for your loss. 2022. Man, it was a bitch. Also, feel like there's no time limit on grief, and that it's totally normal to still be like upset and cry every every so often. I mean, like if all you're doing is sit at home bawling your eyes out six eight months after your parent or loved one passed away, like you probably do need some help to cope and move on. But like to have a moment where you right. cried six eight months later, like I don't feel like that's unusual. No, and I mean I feel like it's going to be that way for the rest of your life when you lose someone, but. I said something about the other day crying and this coworker was like, how long ago did your dad pass? And I said, this was in, in June. And he was like, oh, and you cried today? I was like, fuck off. Right? Yeah. You don't know how anyone's going to cope. Hell, I did way better than I thought I would ever do. Yeah. And I did way worse than I ever thought I would. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. I was not okay when my dad died. And it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Years later, and something can happen, and it's going to make you sad. Mm -hmm. That could be for anything. It doesn't have to be a a lost loved one. It could be any memory or anything where it just makes you emotional because we're humans and we have emotions. All right. The next one is Sinister Sightings that I don't have a clever title for. Hey, Pizzas. I'm a new listener, but best believe I am working overtime to get caught up. Love the podcast. Love y'all. Y'all are amazing, but y'all knew that, so let's move along. Every time I listen to Sinister Sightings, I think, damn, I really wish I had something interesting to submit. After the 10th time I had that exact thought, something clicked in my little lizard brain, and I was like, oh, holy shit, I totally do have something to submit. I grew up in a totally normal, totally middle-class ranch-style home in North Florida. I remember that on the night we moved in, I just stood in the middle of the empty living room illuminated by a battery-powered lantern thinking, it's kind of creepy in here. But it was a new place, none of our stuff had been unpacked yet, and I was like 12. So I moved on to the next thought, and that was that. Throughout our years there, some creepy stuff happened, but never anything too wild. But looking back, the combined experiences paired with my parents' peculiar way of writing them off, really do make me say, huh, that was weird. There's no true rhyme or reason to these little stories, so I'll just spout them off in the order that I remember. Playing manhunt in the night, as you do in your youth, and out of nowhere, this high-pitched, calling shriek echoes through the empty streets. What the hell's manhunt? I'm guessing it's like hide hide and seek. seek. (laughs) Y'all be saying some shit today. (laughs) It literally sounded like it was coming from everywhere and just kept repeating itself for what felt like an eternity. All rational thought left my brain and I took off running for home, where I ran into several of my friends who was just as scared shitless as I was. We later found out that there was a peacock farm down the street and the shriek was just a peacock mating call. (laughs) So not paranormal, but if you never heard a peacock scream... And the first time you do happens to be in the dead of the night in the woods, you'd be scared shitless too. (laughs) My sister has this dog whom I've grown to love dearly, but man, is this dog a spooky bitch. She's all black and built like a hellhound, tall with spindly arms and legs, a mean underbite, and just generally a dog you don't want to fuck with. Beyond that, she's a bit of a neurotic mess and very particular about what she likes. The dog, not the sister, although they do say that dogs take after their owners. She loved cave-like spaces, and if we left any doors open, we could count on not seeing this dog until she decided to emerge from her latest makeshift lair. I would often find her in the dark recesses of my closet, just pile of darkness with two bright eyes peering out of the abyss. Good times. Anyway, On the far side of the house, there was a hallway with my sister's room, my dad's home office, our bathroom, a door that led to the patio, and my room, in that order. 
There were several times over the years that my sister's dog would appear at the end of the hallway nearest my sister's room and just sit in the threshold facing down the hall. From the living room, we could see her, but she always had her back to us. She would just sit there and look upward and then to the left, to the right, back to the left, as if she was watching something. Then she would just disappear back into my sister's room, cue goosebumps every single time. I distinctly remember one summer afternoon, my sister and I were home alone watching TV. Our bathroom had two sinks, so a total of four taps, hot and cold on each sink. As I was watching TV, I thought I heard one of the taps on one of the sinks turn on. So I turned the volume on the TV down, but I didn't say anything to my sister who was scrolling through her phone. As I was listening, I heard the second tap turn on. So now the first faucet was going full blast. My sister looks up and in the direction of the bathroom, and shortly after we hear the third tap come on. We had a sitcom moment where we both looked at each other at the exact same time, eyes wide as saucers, and go, nope, before running to our parents' room on the opposite end of the house and slamming the door. After an hour or so, we got brave enough to come out, mostly because we decided our mom would be pissed if we let the ghost flood the bathroom. And then we creeped over to the bathroom. All the taps were off and the sinks were dry, of course. My dad is the biggest of goofs in general and never takes anything seriously. I would often hear tapping and knocks in our hallway several times when I was in my room and my dad was in his office. Once I barged into his office after hearing particularly loud footsteps and demanded to know if he was messing with me, or at least if he heard them too, without ever looking up from his computer, he said, yeah, I hear it too. I hear it all the time. It's just the people in the walls. They live here too. Mm -mm. Like, okay, dad, can you absolutely fucking not? Big no thank you on that. It became an ongoing joke. Anytime we heard anything out of place, it was the people in the walls. I always laughed along outwardly, but internally, I was screaming. During my first summer of college, I'd come home for the weekend with my dog, Obi. My room was exactly the same as it had been for five years at this point, including the same books on the bookshelf mounted above the foot of my bed. The books had always been on the shelf, wedged between sports trophies that I used as bookends. I was asleep in my twin-size bed, and Obi was taking up way more than his allotted space, as usual. And it's important to note that both myself and Obi valued our sleep, and it was unlike either of us to wake up in the middle of the night. Well, this night, I woke up just as Obi lifted his head and looked toward the foot of my bed. I could see just by the moonlight streaming through the blinds. I got a distinct feeling of dread, and a second later, Obi let out a low, steady growl that sounded deadly serious. Suddenly, two books from the middle of the group on the bookshelf flew from the shelf. They didn't just fall on the bed. They were launched beyond the bed and landed on the floor. Obi and I were out of that room faster than we had ever moved before, and I spent the rest of my visit sleeping on the couch. The real kicker, none of the other books nor the trophy bookends had moved a single inch. The dust on the shelf hadn't even been disturbed. The only evidence I hadn't dreamed the whole thing were the two books laying in the middle of the floor. The morning after the book incident, I told my mom what happened. Her exact response was, huh, well, sometimes I hear voices in there, so I guess that's not that weird. I was like, excuse me, what? And she's like, yeah, ever since you moved out, sometimes I go to clean the bathroom over there and I hear people talking. I just close your door and finish cleaning the toilet. I'm like, this has happened multiple times. And she said, yes. I said, mom, if you're not going in my room in between these times, why do you have to keep closing the door? My parents sold that house and moved a few states away while I was in college. And while I miss it and the memories we made there, I'm kind of glad these are the only stories I have. So that's all I've got for you ladies, unless the mischievous presence I call Frank turns out to actually exist, and it's not something I made up to explain my own forgetfulness and imagination. To be determined. Creep it real ladies, XOXO Elizabeth. That's a very good point about her having to open the damn door. I didn't even think about that. Like, unless your dad's going in there to sit and reminisce about y'all's time together. Uh Uh-uh. Right? (laughs) Why the fuck the door keep opening? (laughs) And why are they just so nonchalant? Like, yeah... (laughs) I hear voices. Oh, that's just the people in the wall. Right? What uh-uh. the hell? Mm-mm. I mean, I guess if they're not really bothering them, but, uh, what? <laughs> also, I love that your dog was just like, nope, and went out with you. 
Yep. Uh, very much a carry dog. <laughs> of like the don't don't disturb that dog's sleep either. Uh-huh. <laughs> the next one. New building, same issues. Hi, it's me again. Carrie, never fear. The loud mouth of the South is here. I will never let you guys run out of stories. Of course, you ladies have blown up so much with or without my help. I'm positive you guys will do just fine. I have another spooky dooky story for you lovely ladies. After 18 years of working in the same old building in downtown Hattiesburg, the owner died. They actually said Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but if you don't know and you're new to the podcast, that's where Donna and I live. This lovely man has two daughters, both of whom moved off and started families of their own. The older moved to Washington State, and she's married to the director that directed the Blair Witch Project. I think she helped screenwrite for him or some of the spinoffs from that movie. The other one is a doctor that is a professor in some college in South Carolina. Their mother has some type of dementia and is in a home. So no surprise they wanted us to move so that they could fix up the old building and sell it. My boss, who had worked in this building for over 30 years, was not a happy camper, but found a friend who, with a partner, owned another building just a block away from our old building. She was ecstatic, to say the least. I'm sure you ladies know that old people do not like change, and the thought of having to drive or do anything different pisses them the fuck off. I mean, literally same, though. I fucking hate change. Right? I was like, well, I guess that makes me old, because I am right there with you. So, me and my bestie and her walked down to look at the building to make sure it would work for us. It's been there for many, many years, but the partners renovated it. So, even though it's an old building, it has nicer and more up-to-date interior. So, we were coming from, let's face it, a painted turd to some fresh new painting, new desks, new phone system with nice new phones that did not come over on the Santa Maria. So, everyone is super excited to move, even though it's expensive and a major pain in the ass, but we did it. The office has been in this building for over a year, and we traded one haunted-as-fuck building for another. My first incident happened earlier one morning when I was the early bird, so it was about 7.30 a.m. The building is three stories, and our office is on the second floor. I had just stepped off the elevator and went to flipping the lights on as fast as I could. Then I heard this little kid giggling. I stopped in my tracks and listened. I hear it again, and then someone talking. My first thought was, who the hell robs a building with little kids? Then I say out loud, hello? The giggling answers me. I say again out loud, I'm happy you're here. I won't fuck with you. Please don't fuck with me. And I've not heard it since. Then one day, I'm the last person in the building. The bottom floor is a church with offices somewhere else. The top floor is a nonprofit and is run by a doctor who only sees people late in the afternoons and only on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. So I knew I was alone. I'm sitting at my desk and I hear the bathroom door slam shut. I play it off that someone got to their car and realized they needed to pee and came back up. I wait a minute and I didn't hear the elevator. So I speed up and declare I'm finished when I hear footsteps coming towards me. I jump up and grab my bag and run for the door. I'm on the elevator going down one floor and the elevator stops and the lights go out. I pull my phone out and turn on my flashlight like you do in all horror movies. I'm mashing buttons. I don't care which ones. I'm just mashing. The light comes back on and the box is moving. Then I realize I'm going up, not down. I panic. And ladies, I'm not bragging at all, but I am not a panic kind of person. I know it's better never to panic in most situations, but panic I did. Then I realized I'm crying and screaming and mashing some serious buttons. I'm terrified, thinking maybe I'm dreaming this. It's too much like a horror movie. Then the box stops and we start going back down. The metal box stops on the second floor, but the doors will not open. It is super quiet in the box and I notice that there is this pounding. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just the box dangling and lightly hitting the walls. My hand was on the door because I was trying to force it open. Then I realized my hand is vibrating like someone's knocking on the other side. I move my hand and the knocking starts again. I start mashing buttons again. The car finally starts going down. The door opens and I sprint from the building, pausing long enough to only lock the door and drive home with my heart pounding all the way. I declare I would never step foot on that elevator again. But let's face it. I'm a triple stuffed pizza with extra sausage. Yes, please. Extra, extra large pizza with some more sausage on the side and some cheesy bread big girl. I got back on the elevator a few days later. There's a back staircase in the building, but it's super steep and I could not do it. Okay, I'm lazy. I decided to get my big ass back on the elevator and chance it. It's worked fine ever since. 
I called and talked to the guy who does the elevator maintenance about what it did, and he acted like he didn't believe me and said the elevator was probably resetting itself. I was like, bitch, reset this. The elevator tried to kill me. He said he was sorry, and other than the electricity being turned off and or someone manually doing those things, it would not work on its own. It's a machine. I said, machine this, and if I die, I know where you live, and I will haunt you for the rest of your life. He said deal and hung up. Anyway, Donna and Carrie, thanks so much for doing such a good job on your podcast. It's very entertaining. Also, because you're a milk carton mini episode on the Priestley home, I've decided this is what I'm doing with my vacation time. Hopefully, it will still be up for sale and I can arrange a walkthrough. I've never been to Canton, so I'm going to tour the Freedom House and, of course, the rich grain distillery as well. I love me some bourbon. I will send in more stories about this old building, I feel pretty sure. Retirement is not on my horizon. I will have to be shoehorned out of this place, carried out in a body bag. Amber from Mississippi. I don't love elevators, but I take them because I, too, am extra stuffed. (laughs) So, yeah... I take them at work when I have to go up to talk to the doctors about something because I don't want to be out of breath when I get to them (laughs) and be like, hey, um, I know you're only on the second floor and I'm dying, but. Oh my God, that just reminded me of She's All That. Well, the bigger guy who was Lainey's friend. Yeah. But he's like, he hears them talking in the bathroom and he goes up to Freddie Prince's little sister and he's like, they were, and she's like, say it what are you trying to do and he's like out of breath i'm like i feel you on every level of that i try to always take them down so maybe that's a way that you can avoid the ghost take the stairs down which is way easier than up way easier than unless you got really bad knees and then that kind of hurts but true that's you know that many times less a day that you have interaction with the ghosts okay the next one my ghostly girls sinister sightings Please call me Andromeda, pronounce Andromeda, per my husband. Hello, my beautiful sisters from different parents. I love you, ladies. First of all, you make my one-hour commute every morning and evening worth it. This is a long one, and no, I'm not sorry. So take a potty break now, get you some caffeine, some chocolate, and a comfy seat, and hang on to your what-the-fucks until the end, please. In 2009, Hubby and I decided to sell our 4,500 square foot house and downsize since our youngest daughter was getting ready to graduate high school. Hubby and I decided we were finally going to start to look for a home in Tennessee and leave Indiana. And until graduation and our dream home was found, we rent in Indiana. Earlier in the year, our future son-in-law, who was living with his mom at the time, had lost everything in a fire and was renting a farmhouse in the country. He had mentioned that there was a nice-sized farmhouse just down the road from where they were renting, so he checked it out. It was an older parsonage. On the inside of a curve and across the road on the outside of the curve was a church and a graveyard. The house belonged to a local matriarch whose family owned most of the town. She was an amazing woman in her 80s, and I loved her. Anyway, the house hadn't been lived in for a very long time, and the last person she had rented it to had many dogs, and they apparently used the carpet as their grass. Overall, the house had great bones, except the laundry in the basement. Sorry, Donna. We worked out a deal between the rent and the remodeling that fit both of us, and with that, my hubby, my 20-year-old college student daughter, and her boyfriend, my 18-year-old daughter, her boyfriend, and many of their friends, as well as myself, got busy tearing up the carpet, remodeling the kitchen, painting, you know, the basic remodeling crap. Anyway, the fun began almost immediately. While the men pulled up the carpet, I got busy in the kitchen pouring new countertops and redoing the floors. There was a nice den that had been built to connect the kitchen to the garage, and we were using that as a catch-all, as well as where our radio was plugged in and the basement door was. As I'm beginning to work on the countertop, the radio quits. I go look. The cord has been unplugged, and it's laying across the radio. Weird. I plugged it back in and went back again to the countertops. Almost immediately, the radio went out again. Again, the cord was laying across the radio. Now, I know that no one else unplugged it because they were in the living room tearing up the carpet and they had to go through the kitchen to get to the den. As I bent down to plug the radio back in, I got poked in my butt cheek with what felt like a tiny finger. Yep, poked in the butt cheek. I jumped around and nothing. I kept that shit to myself. 
The next day, as the guys finished removing the carpet, I was letting the new countertop set up, so I decided to start painting the upstairs bedrooms. As I was in the bedroom that my oldest daughter chose, the closet door sounded as if it opened and closed. It was a very squeaky one being an old wooden door in an old farmhouse. Nothing ever came out or went in, but again, something poked me on the butt cheek. My mind instantly went to a child. This both made me smile and sadden me at the same time. I started singing kids' songs to pass the time, and as I was beginning to paint around the window facing the graveyard, a cold feeling came over me, and in my right ear, I hear a deep male voice say, Need help. I don't know if he was asking me if I needed help painting or if he needed help. I noped the shit right downstairs. And as I'm going downstairs, I hear what sounds like little feet running behind me. I jumped right over the bottom half of the stairs to the living room. Over the next few days, little things happened. The basement door would shut or open. Believe it or not, the basement was not scary, nor did it have a bad feeling. Nothing about our house had a bad feeling, with the exception of the male voice upstairs. Again, though, was he trying to help me? Anyway, things would be moved, and at times I could have sworn I heard giggling. I still hadn't said anything to anyone, and no one else had said anything to me about strange happenings. So I kept silent. Until... Dun, dun, dun. After all the carpet was pulled up, including the stairs, there is the inevitable tedious task of removing the gazillion of staples in the beautiful hardwood floors. Hubby, both of our daughters, my future son-in-law and their two friends, and me of course, couldn't get out of that one, started pulling up the staples. The girls took the stairway and the rest of us took the open concept living room, dining room. Before long, we decided to order lunch and the girls had sat down on the stairs to chit-chat with the rest of us standing at the bottom of the stairs. I shit you not, as we're standing there talking to the girls, the leg of the baseball shorts my oldest daughter was wearing lifted about six inches in the air and then slowly went back down. There was complete silence in the house as we all just stared. Everyone remained calm until we hear, what the fuck? From one of the boys that was helping us. Then all hell broke loose of everyone telling what they had experienced since they'd been here. What the fuck indeed? Why didn't anyone ever say anything to anyone else? As I sheepishly look around. One of the first things the girls both said is that they kept getting poked in the butt cheek. And here I thought I was special. Ugh, remember, drama, duh. So we spent our lunch break telling each other stories and coming to the conclusion that it was a kid or kids and a male, which was odd to me. Why not a mama? Or was there? So fast forward to move-in day about two weeks later. We had made many trips back and forth between the old house and the farmhouse. After a long day, hubby and I had to work the next day, so we let the girls and their boyfriends bring a few more loads over in their trucks. As hubby and I crawl into our bed with our mini schnauzer, who, by the way, hated this house, our bedroom was located on the main floor just off of a small hallway between the living room and the kitchen. Suddenly, we hear very heavy boots come through the kitchen, up to the bedroom door, and a knock. Come in, kids. We're still awake, I yell. Nothing. My little mini girl is shaking so bad she's literally shaking the bed. Then she proceeds to pee on my pillow as she's now crawled over my head. What the fuck, Kiki? As I get up to open the door for the kids, there's no one there. I call my oldest on the phone and ask where she is. They are all four still at the old house over 15 miles away. I noped my ass right back into bed after cleaning up the mess and told my husband that if he ever goes back to third shift, I would divorce him. Over the period of the next five years, there were many things happening. Once I was in the shower upstairs, hubby had recocked hours, so I had to use the girls. And I knew no one was home but me, and as I'm in the shower, I hear, Mommy, can I come in? Yes, I say, because it sounded like my youngest daughter. As I looked outside the shower curtain, the door is now open, but no one's there. I look out of the bathroom window expecting my youngest truck to be in the driveway. Nope, I grabbed my hairdryer and leapt down the stairs. My future son-in-law was living with us at this point while my oldest is off to college and he's staying in her room upstairs. Yes, the same room where I was offered help and the closet door opens and closes. Late one night, I hear him come downstairs and go into the living room. I walked in there and he's sleeping on the couch. 
What are you doing down here? I ask him. He proceeds to tell me that the closet door opened, he heard footsteps, and then the bed sank down as if someone sat on it. Nope, he said. Six foot, 200 pounds, and he became the member of the Nope Squad instantly. Fast forward to the weekend, and my daughter came home from college and had bought some board games from a local thrift store and had them laying on the floor by the bed. I hear them in a loud conversation way after bedtime and yell upstairs at them to shut up. They proceed to tell me that the closet door opened, the bags rattled, and then they both heard a child say, can we play? My daughter loved it and was insistent that they stay in bed, and my future son-in-law was not having it. Another instance, picture it, old farmhouse, old windows, and a really bad thunderstorm. As hubby and I lay in bed, we hear running down the stairs, assuming it was one of the girls or the future son-in-law. And our bedroom door opens and I hear a scared little voice say, Mommy, can I sleep with you? So I say yes and I hold up the covers. I should have known better as Kiki jumps over my head, shakes violently, and pees on my pillow. It was not one of the living children. At this point, my hubby still has not said much about all the happenings, but this even unnerved him. Why would you let whatever it is crawl in bed with us? I proceed to explain to him that the baby was scared. What, baby? There's no one there, he stated loudly. As time went on, we come to the conclusion that the man was not nice, but seemed to mind his own business. But we also came to realize, yes, mom was with the two girls. I say girls plural because of the little things we learned over the years and what happened before we moved. Wait till the end for it. We also realized that when the man was around, the mom and the girls would run and hide in my oldest daughter's closet. I made it known to him that he was not welcomed here. He seemed to go silent for all of us. Our future son-in-law bought our daughter a boy mini schnauzer during this time, and he loved me more, so he slept with me and hubby. Okay, so he really loved Kiki, but tomato-tomato. The ghost girls seemed to like him a lot because they would roll my youngest daughter's softballs down the stairs for him to retrieve them. Being a puppy, he loved it. Kiki, not so much. During Christmas time, hubby and I always turn all the lights out and watch Christmas movies in the dark to the light of the Christmas tree. Countless times, we would see things moving out of the corner of our eyes and hear the bells on the tree rattle and the wrapping paper on the gifts being messed with. We just kept watching our movies, knowing that the girls and their mom are sweet and harmless. Once my youngest had borrowed hubby's truck, and later that day, he was sitting at the dining table and I hear keys rattling, and he says, You're welcome, baby. As I look over at the couch at him, I say, who are you talking to? He says, youngest. And I say, she won't be home until midnight. Remember, she's helping so-and-so move into college? He looks at me, picks up his plate, and grunts, still not wanting to believe any of it. Over the five years we lived there, I asked around a couple of our older neighbors if they knew anything happened around the area or in the house, and even the landlady said no. I would often address the girls and would instantly hear footsteps running down the stairs. I would talk to the mom and tell her what a wonderful job she was doing with the girls, and I always felt like she was right beside me helping me do chores and put things away. I would tell her that if she was afraid of the man, I would try to help her. I could feel love radiate from her deep down in my heart. So now, fast forward to the end of our five years there. Just hubby and I, oldest and now son-in-law were married, youngest finishing up college, working, and in her own apartment. We still hadn't found our dream home in Tennessee, and now we won't because our oldest and son-in-law announced that we're going to be grandparents. Ten aware, not moving now. So we start looking for a local house to buy. This takes some time because of the rebounding housing market and me having to have major surgery and was off for a few months. While I was off work, I spent time packing and walking the graveyard as part of my PT. During the years, I enjoyed walking the graveyard for many reasons. It was quiet and I didn't have to worry about traffic as the top two reasons. During these walks, I had always been drawn to, you guessed it, one particular area of the graveyard. There on several tombstones are the names of two girls and next to them is the name of their mother, along with the newborn grave and what would appear to be the grandparents of the kids, with grandpa obviously alive because he has no death date. This will be important in a minute. 
Anyway, the reason I was drawn to this gravesite is because the two girls had the same first and middle names as me and my oldest sister in the exact same birth order, and they died on July 5th, 1973. I was born exactly one month later on August 5th, 1973. Yes, Donna, Leo, you and I are now forever bonded. The mother's birthday was exactly the same as my mother. The girls were the same age apart as me and my oldest sister as well, 10 months. Kawiki dink? I think not. I started calling these girls and mom's name out in the house and was getting major responses like running down the stairs as if they were excited I had figured it out. Their names, yes, and the fact that they all died the same day tells me a tragedy occurred. No one around there knew anything about them or the incident. I researched until I was exhausted for anything that happened back on July 5th, 1973, but nothing was coming up. Small town documentation isn't the best sometimes. Even my 80-year-old plus landlord didn't know anything about them. Remember an hour ago when I said wait till the end for it? Well, here you go. I patiently watched the gravesite for anyone to come and visit them, but nothing. Until one day while I was on medical leave, it was a Sunday and church had just let out and a very handsome older gentleman, 80 or so, yes, very handsome still, so I can only imagine what he looked like back in his heyday. Sorry, got sidetracked. Anyway, I yelled the girls' names upstairs and told them that they had a visitor and immediately you could hear footsteps running down the stairs and then I ran across the county road to speak to him. I started by stating, I don't mean to intrude, but this gravesite has drawn me many times because the children are all so young, and if I could possibly ask what happened. To my surprise, he just started talking, and may I say he is an old soul and very to the point. He was a U.S. Marine of 40 years, and he was definitely the patriarch of his family. He starts by telling me that the grandma is his first wife. She died of cancer in 1975. Then he said the two girls were his oldest son's daughters. Odd that he didn't say my granddaughters. And the woman beside them was a whore who was sleeping with a male. I chose not to say his name. And that son of a bitch is buried over there and points to another part of the graveyard. Yes, I did check that out later. And by crackies, the date of death is a match. So now I have my male figure. Major trigger warning from here on out regarding the girls. It gets gruesome. Then he went on to tell me that the whore had left his son while he was serving our country and started seeing this rascal who was a huge druggie and that the mom left the girls with sick grandma while handsome grandpa worked. Grandma couldn't take care of the kids because of the cancer and she begged for the mom to come and get them. One day, the police asked Grandma and Grandpa to see if they could get the whore and the rascal to the house and they would arrest him for drugs. They showed up at the house and Rascal saw the cops and grabbed the girls, threw them in the car with the whore and took off and the police chase ensued. They went about four miles down the main road when he sped over the railroad tracks and a train hit them. Grandpa said nothing was even left for a funeral. And yes, I'm crying at the graveyard at this point, despite Grandpa's colorful storytelling, because the girls were right there with us. He then went on to tell me that the newborn bastard belonged to the whore, and the grandma begged Grandpa to let the baby be buried there as it wasn't the baby's fault and no one claimed the baby. The date on the baby's tombstone was February 1973. Grandpa got quiet, and I didn't dare tell him that these girls were right there with us, standing at the gravesite, listening to Grandpa tell this story. I got the feeling that Grandpa was more stern than loving, and I instantly regretted bringing the girls with me. I spoke to the three of them all day long over the next few weeks while preparing to move into our new house. I could hear children crying as I packed up my oldest previous bedroom, which now housed all the new baby furniture for the nursery in our new house. Yes, I spoil my grandchildren, all four of them now. I sat down on the end of the bed and asked the girls and their mom to come out. And after a bit, the closet door squeaked but didn't open. I knew they had come out. I told them that I loved them dearly and they were welcome to come to my new house with me, but not him. I told them how much I enjoyed getting to know them and I thanked the girls for playing with their doggies. I told them that if they chose to stay here, the next people may not understand them, but to know they are loved and I pray that they move into the light. Needless to say, they did not come with us. My heart was broken. Hubby was glad. Yes, I told him what I did and he said I was nuts. 
The last day we were moving out, our landlady was showing the house to a family of four, two young boys under the age of five, and we gathered our last belongings. I went upstairs and just said, I love you girls and mama, and they would have two little boys to play with soon, then said goodbye, crying all the way to the truck. About two weeks later, the landlady called and asked if I had told the new tenants that the house was haunted. I told her, no, I don't even know them other than seeing their faces the day you walked through the house. She said they up and left in the middle of the night, leaving a note in her mailbox saying the house was haunted and that their boys were scared to death. I will mention that we tried to buy the home before we bought ours, and I wish we would have tried harder. I drive by there every now and then and always say hi to them in my car. Someone else lives there now with kids. The landlady has been dead for many years now, and I pray those babies and their mama are happy now. Love you, ladies. And one more thing, even though I could communicate with them a bit, I wanted to, but was never able to actually see them. I took pictures over the years trying to catch something, but never caught anything on film either. Love you, ladies. Andromeda. Okay, so that's a wild, like, so sad of a story. But I'm so glad that you've got the story out of someone. I'm surprised that wasn't in more, like, newspapers or something. Yeah, yeah. Golly, that sounds awful. But also, I hate that he belittled his grandkids' mom in that way. Yes. Like, yeah, it was a shitty situation, but man, he didn't mince words, though, did he? He sure didn't. I'm like, you're talking to a stranger in a graveyard. But you can tell you're a mama since you were, like, so nurturing to the ghost, because I would have been, like, the other people that high-toed it out of there at night. I would have been your dog peeing on your pillow. (laughs) Yes. Old Kiki. (laughs) Okay, the next one. Hi, first I want to say you two are the funniest people and strangers probably think I'm weird when I'm in public laughing to myself. Sorry in advance for the length. I'm trying to pick the best lighthearted ghost stories. I'm 23 now and have had encounters with ghosts in the past, but I didn't start seeing them until my family moved into a house when I was in seventh grade. One of my brothers at the time was a toddler, like three or four, and would say to us about a man that would call his name from one of the upstairs bedrooms and an old woman that would walk through the hallways looking at our family photos. Everyone just assumed he was being a kid and making stuff up, but shortly after, weird shit began happening to me. Toys would go off in the middle of the night, and I could hear them moving in the playroom next to my bedroom, and I had a nightlight because I was scared shitless, and one night there was a shadow figure that walked in front of it, causing the room to be dark before it continued on its way. The worst was when I'd been woken up out of a deep sleep from child laughter and at first would think it was one of my three siblings before realizing it was the middle of the night. I've had it torment me and it would start and stop as I turned the lights on, making me sleep with the lights on a lot of nights. I'm the only one with an upstairs bedroom. No one in my family believed me until one day I saw who I called the colonial boy, Knickers, shaggy blonde hair, high socks, loafers, and a hat, standing in our hallway and nearly shit my pants. My mom was standing next to me and nonchalantly said to me, I saw him earlier. We never saw the boy again, and my brother is now a freshman in high school and still doesn't like being upstairs alone. At college, I lived in apartments, and now I live in my own and still experience encounters. My friends joke that I'm the one that's haunted, and some days I believe it. My roommates and I, sophomore year, would always see stuff in our apartment. People sitting on bar stools in the middle of the night was a usual occurrence. I've seen and heard things that have caused me to call friends and family to make sure they're still alive. One of my brother's best friends, basically a brother to me, passed away recently and I was unable to attend the services. I was over 600 miles away at school at the time when I felt the sudden urge to turn around while walking downtown with friends. I swear to God, I was face to face with him and we just stared at each other before I turned back to cross the road. I believe it was him coming to say goodbye. I wish I had asked if it was him, but I didn't want to freak everyone out. My boyfriend and most of my family and friends think I'm crazy for believing in ghosts or blame it on listening and watching too many scary things. I don't know what happened in seventh grade, but apparently I developed my sixth sense. Hope you guys read this and I have more ghost stories, hometown murders, and apartment stories I could go into. Well, send them in. They sent it in on the website, so I don't know if they want their name read or not. So I'm just going to not just in case. Um, I don't want to see no colonial boy. 
Also, I don't know how people wear hats all the time. Like, I try. I try to do the baseball cap thing. <laughs> and it just makes my fucking head so hot. Like, how do people wear hats all the time? I'm like, my forehead's sweating. Oh, my gosh. Well, me and Tiffany were watching Captain Marvel. This is my first time. And I was like, how is her hair still fine? Like, because it was curled, you know? Mm-hmm. And Tiffany was like, something... Like, well, it's a little rat's nest in the back. And I was like, it looks fine. Yeah. Like, there's no way. She just, like, whatever, you know, like. Save the world. Right, yeah. All the around, I was like, you know that no one ever has their hair fucking up. But if you're going to do something, you know your hair would be up. My hair is up (laughs) 24-7. I'm like, does no one like ponytails? Good Lord. Pull that shit back. I've gotten to the point now where when my hair's on my neck, I cannot wait to put it up in a pony. Or, like, a pony or a messy bun. yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry about your your loss for your, basically your other brother. Right. I'm so glad he came to see you. Yes, but I would have freaked out if you said, did y'all see uh-huh. so-and-so? Like, no, we don't see the colonial boy either, ma'am. <laughs> okay, the last one, ghostly knocking. Hi, my name is Rachel from Arkansas. I'm going to tell you a story that my then four-year-old told me. She's not the type of kid to make up stories or anything like that. She liked to sleep with her bedroom closed and a nightlight on just for a background. On this night, she said that she was woken up by the sound of someone knocking on her bedroom door. She said she sat up thinking it was me or her stepfather, but then she thought it was just one of the cats trying to get into her room. She said that she then heard a growl throughout her room. She said she felt like something was in her room with her and she was too scared to get up and come to my room or even to call out to me. She said that she heard noises throughout the whole night, but eventually they did stop. Sorry if the story's confusing. She wanted me to tell you guys this story. Hope you guys are well, Rachel. You need to be putting a um, kid monitor up in that room. (laughs) What are they called? Baby monitors? Nanny cams. Whatever. She needs one of those. (laughs) But also, I think we've met our uh, youngest creepster. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't like anything with the growl. What if she had some, like, sleep paralysis kind of stuff going on? Because she said she couldn't move. Damn, that's young. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all so much for sending all these stories. First, Sinister Sightings of the New Year. We're almost at 200. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. Send in your stories, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.